This is the Howell Creek Radio Address for Saturday, May 3rd, 2014. I'm Joel Duick. address, I went all around the houses to introduce my distaste for the suburbs, which I will now briefly explore. Part of that distaste is aesthetic. The suburbs just are monotonous. The houses look the same, the malls all have the same stores, and so forth. There are a couple of old stories that connect in my imagination with the essence of the suburb. One is that part in A Wrinkle in Time, when Meg and Calvin make their first incursion into Kamazots a planet that has completely succumbed to evil, and their their first encounter with that evil is in the form of a monotonous neighborhood. She writes, Below them the town was laid out in harsh angular patterns. The houses in the outskirts were all exactly alike, small square boxes painted gray. Each had a small rectangular plot of lawn in front, with a straight line of dull-looking flowers edging the path to the door. Meg had a feeling that if she could count the flowers, there would be exactly the same number for each house. C.S. Lewis did much the same thing in The Great Divorce. The idea of an endless grid of identical houses serves for him as an actual vision of hell itself. He writes, Several hundred feet below us, already half hidden in the rain and mist, the wet roofs of the town appeared, spreading without a break as far as the eye could reach. We were now so high that all below us had become featureless, but fields, rivers, or mountains I did not see, and I got the impression that the gray town still filled the whole field of vision. End quote. He could almost be flying out of Boston or D.C. with that kind of description, and in fact Lewis's hell even includes an urban sprawl dynamic that is accurate enough to serve as a prediction, even if it wasn't meant as one. But as I was mentioning in the last address, the suburbs don't just look boring, but they are generally also bad places for humans to live together. They crowd out any natural beauty, which I hold to be the great irreplaceable balm to human nature, but they also erect invisible force fields between neighbors, even while packing them end-to-end in medium-sized bins. Why the suburbs do this is left as an exercise to the listener, as is the varied extent to which they do it and what other factors can affect the outcome from place to place. But suffice to say that those of us who live in the suburbs experience this effect, even though it's so uniform that unless you've ever lived in a real community, you probably cannot even imagine a life without those barriers. Now, I told you all that last weekend just now, really so that I could tell you this. There may be an upside to the suburbs, and I don't mean an economic upside for lazy general contractors, and suburban city councils, but an actual humanistic, even aesthetic upside, or at least a silver lining for us, the actual and sad inhabitants. This silver lining goes under two names. One is anonymity, and the other is obscurity. I was working on some shelving one Saturday morning recently when I answered my phone, and it was my friend Robert for calling from Chicago, where he was attending a conference. When he got to the conference, he was shocked to find out how famous he'd become among his fellow attendees. He records these videos about once a day and calls them rambles, 
They're not edited, not scripted. They're not even on YouTube. He just records them in one take and puts them up on plain old Facebook. Well, he shows up to this conference and finds out everyone recognizes him from these videos. He told me, every time I try and get inside my head for even a second, someone calls my name from somewhere. Even standing at the urinal, the guy next to him brightened up and said, Oh, hey, you're Robert G., aren't you? After that, he had to get away. So he left the conference for another part of town. And not long after that was when he called. Joel, he said to me, I'm in a McDonald's right now, and I'm just loving it. Sitting here, watching all these people walk by, and they have no idea who I am. I thought of this conversation somehow while reading another John le Carré novel. The suburbs could feel smothering to a young person with plans to make and places to go, but they would also have a peculiar charm for, say, the conspirator, the foreign defector, for the spy coming in from the cold. The smothering of the suburbs would, for that person, be a welcome blanket of quiet, a place where no one seeks you out, no one wants to be your particular friend, no one wants anything from you. I'm, of course, not a spy or a famous person, so I don't really have a choice. For me to picture myself escaping into suburban life under those conditions is really just an imaginative exercise in sour grapes. But if the suburbs are unpleasant because they are monotonous, perhaps we can still find in them an enforced quiet that can be put to good use. Call these houses cells or prayer booths. Call the suburb your monastery. And maybe we can find there a life of contemplation. The end. for listening to Howell Creek Radio. I'm Joel Duick. Closing music for this episode is An Old Peasant Like Me from the Prince Avalanche soundtrack. You can comment on this show, listen to all past episodes, and subscribe to all future ones at howellcreekradio.com. Follow us at facebook.com slash howellcreek or on Twitter at howellcreek.